am I going to do, quit? That's not an option. You got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden, dig it. You make it work for you. You never give up, man. That's my philosophy. Welcome back to Legendary Mindset. This is your host, Jake P. Richardson. And I have been on the road quite a bit for the past three weeks between some of these southern state fairs and uh, just kind of running around checking on projects and getting ready for Kansas City. And we have some post-sort episodes for you guys. We talked to the judges um, from the Arkansas Youth Expo, one of the Tulsa State Fair judges, and then our lamb judge from the Georgia Nationals. And a couple of those were the same. Um, today's episode I recorded in Arkansas um, with Mark Hogue. And it was just intended to be a, a pre-sort episode regarding uh, the Louisville Lamb Show and the Houston and, and OIE Goat Shows. But um, if you know Mark Hogue or have any relationship with him, you're aware that um, it's probably not going to be a, a short little 10-minute post-sort or pre-sort episode. Um, it turned into a, a lot bigger ordeal, and we just, there was a lot of discussion that we haven't really heard before on here um, just about you know sheep and goats and, and from Mark's perspective and he really dug deep into you know how he described um, his kind and and went so far um, into that detail that we're just going to go ahead and make this an entire episode of its own. This is Mark Hogue's first ever podcast, first time being interviewed on a platform like this, and I knew I couldn't just release it midweek as a bonus episode. This is good stuff, guys. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. It was it was crazy sitting there listening to Mark answer these questions and. And, and the stuff that he could come up with just from like a 10 second question that I would ask it just the what he could grab out of that and when what stories he could tell and I don't know if this guy knows how to answer a question with a yes or no I think you know there's just a million examples that he throws in there and and just just to just to wrap your whole head around it um guys it's really high quality content I'm excited for you to listen to it and I think you're really going to like it uh, but we talked to our our doe judge at Tulsa, Brandon Callis, who also judged the market goats at the Arkansas Youth Expo. Um, his pre-post-sort um, episode will be out this coming week. Uh, Craig Beckmeyer did the lambs in Arkansas and the lambs down in Georgia. I interviewed him yesterday in Georgia. That will be up next week. Um, but, yeah, really exciting times for our industry. A lot of shows going on right now. Um, it's about to get busy uh, with Kansas City. Uh, and everything like that. But before we listen to our episode, we are going to hear from our new premier sponsor. And our premier sponsor is Durafirm, a biozyme brand. So Durafirm is a line of sheep and goat mineral supplements designed to ensure your herd is receiving optimal digestive health and nutrition, resulting in maximized performance. And those of us who raise small ruminants know how important it is to keep high-quality mineral in front of them. Whether it's breeding season or baby-having season, uh, do not let your stock get stranded. Products include DuraFirm Sheep Concept Aid Protein Tub, DuraFirm Sheep Concept Aid Loose Mineral, with and without heat options, and a DuraFirm Goat Concept Aid Loose Mineral. So, if you're interested in learning more about the DuraFirm products or where you can find a dealer, go online, hit the search bar, and search for DuraFirm.com. That would be D-U-R-A-F-E-R-M.com. Find those guys, get yourself a dealer, and figure out what products are going to work for you. But for the time being, let's listen to Marco talk about sheep and goats. Hope you enjoy it. This is Legendary 
Mindset with Jake P. Hancock. Mike Hancock. Mike Hancock called me and said uh, the committee's met. Uh, you'll be getting a call from Louisville. Uh, huh? No, no, the committee met and made a decision, and uh, you've been selected to judge the market lambs at Nail next year. That's that's impressive. And he goes, it's a formality, but the uh, Louisville Association, you know, the, the fair will reach out to you via contract or via phone call to make sure that you are signed and sealed. And I've done some heifer breeds there, and the, the, the change of guard that has happened at Louisville the young lady that used to be in charge knew my inability to re return paperwork. So it was always cool. I was like, hey, I'll sign it when I get there. No big deal. So I judge my breeds of heifers, go sign my paperwork, and move on. And so I've heard, and, and, and I'm mentally planning on it, but, you know, you got to think about when you're a little kid and you wanted the red fire truck from Santa in the morning, and then you woke up and it wasn't there, you were crushed. You know, and so as a result, I don't want to set myself up for, yes, I am doing louisville getting my red fire truck and then get to louisville and look like a dodo mm -hmm. you know so i haven't said anything about judging louisville uh because uh, uh i want to i hope i am but i probably need to put that high on my priority list this week to call uh louisville or or maybe contact mike hancock to make sure where is the status what is what is the current situation so mentally i'm preparing and planning on it uh, but physically, I don't want to show up and be like, uh, "Why are you wearing a necktie?" <laughs> so, if you are judging Louisville, what are what are you what are the steps you're taking to prepare? What's going through your head about that? Because that's a big sheep show. It's uh, very very huge. You know, that, that's a great question. Uh, uh, nerves uh, uh, are the first thing. You know, you you think about an event, and probably uh, I, I I need to thank from a sheep judging standpoint. I I need to thank the folks at San Angelo, Texas that allowed me to judge a, a Texas major down there first and uh, you know with the sheep and so here I was uh, going into uncharted territory uh, I love sheep I often tell people right now in terms of market in terms of market livestock the progressive sheep breeders have focused on body shape and structural integrity longer than the other species and as a result the great sheep may be the greatest market animal species for species that we have so I, I navigated through San Angelo a couple times, and I picked stock that I like, and I, I, I believe in livestock in motion. Uh, we can prop them up, and we can look at their lines in silhouette, but I make most of my decisions when, when livestock are in motion, and it has to make sense to me in terms of proportionality. Well, probably the biggest impactful experience that I had is, you know, in the, in the, sheep, in the sheep judging show ring, uh, is Houston and the two years prior to that Dan Willoughby called me and said we'd like you to judge Reno a breeding sheep show and I said oh Dan I don't raise sheep I, I said I admire the industry I admire good stock people but I said I'm I don't I don't breed them I don't raise them I don't study pedigrees well enough to know what what breeders are going to want he goes no that's why I want you to judge I want you to share your thoughts from your other species backgrounds what what do you think and so my wife and I went to Reno and it, it, was, it was it was a blast I felt comfortable and so after San Angelo and after Reno, you know, I was gaining comfort because, uh, uh, in my opinion, if, if I'm not comfortable in a species, then I would do everybody an injustice if I showed up to evaluate them. So the call came for Houston. And, and when judges 
you know, we have a bucket list. You know, every judge has a different bucket list of shows that you want to check off. And, and Houston has been great uh, to my father and I over the years in terms of judging. And so here I got a call to do the sheep. And then that would be that I got to judge cattle. I got to judge hogs. And then it would be the sheep show. And being a multi-species judge at Houston is something that I admired. So I'm judging and navigating through our first morning of the sheep show. And at noon, I'm eating the quesadilla. Griner's on lunch break from the goat show he's eating his quesadilla and they come up and say you're going to finish the show today this is one o'clock i said all i got is hair sheep and south downs i said i'll be done by four we'll be the rodeo by six i'm pretty pumped up mm-hmm. you know but i said i'll keep pace they're like no that's the 850 blacks too for the meat you know i'm like uh why would that be well houston shutting down tonight and and keep in mind when you're judging a show you're completely removed from society you're in a bubble for the day or two days, or three days, whatever that run is. You may talk to your wife at night. But other than that, you, you, you remove yourself from society so you can focus on your job at hand. And uh, that night, it, it was an outer body experience. You just mentally, first impressions, pull them on the go, let's do it, let's do it. In that pressure situation, if you want to know what people like, I always tell Go to, a, go to a person's farm, a, a man or woman that raises that particular livestock. If they're going to judge, go to their farm and study their females. Because in a pressure situation, you will always revert back to what you believe in at home. Well, in the Houston pressure situation, the other thing is that you will understand it is pure gut instinct. And uh, we were rolling through it, and Dr. Rayfield, or, or uh, Dr. Ramsey uh, there at Texas A&M was my ring man. And he came up about ring four class four blacks and he goes if i didn't know it different you were enjoying this i said no no this is this is terrible this is a terrible situation uh but i said you know it's times like this that the purest of mental those that have the ability to focus those that have the ability to submerge themselves within the creature and just absolutely hammer it out i said that sorts the big kids from the little kids and i said i've spent years in a ring grooming and, and, and learning and reflecting after every single show I judge, what will I do better next time? What did I miss? And at that particular juncture, I said, you know, this, this is what I've conditioned myself for as a livestock show judge for, for terrible situations like this to make sure that every single market lamb exhibitor at last year's Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo got a look, got a visit, got a handle, and I said, folks, I told the superintendents, if you do it my way, we'll be done by 10 p.m. They said, you'll be lucky to be done by 2. And at 9.55, I handed them the microphone. I said, hey, job well done. <laughs> the reason I tell you all this random answer, terribly long and circular, I think the older you get, the more circular your stories get. But you just came right back to ask me, uh, what, do you, what do you do to prepare for a show? I don't overthink. I don't over. Uh, I don't over psych myself out because we have so much going on at home that basically, as soon as the last chore is done, I can get done. I get in the truck. I get in the plane, and I head to the stock show. And it's that moments before I get in the ring where I will mentally, whatever I didn't get done prior to 7:55 that morning, I flush it. Mm-hmm. It is gone until the champion banners are handed out, because it's my job to provide the exhibitors that focus, that intensity and that adrenaline to get uh, the most done right. The champion market lamb in Houston took three steps in the ring. I'll never forget it. It was like a baby Clydesdale. His, his, his basically, his right front foot came in first, then he did a left, and when his second right foot stride came down, 
I was like, this is why I do what I do. And, you know, obviously I needed to make sure his hind legs worked and he had any muscle. And, he, you know, then I handled him. He was like eight foot wide. I'm like, <laughs> you know, why, why, do we, why do we judge? Why do we breed livestock? You know, a, a guy that was disgruntled after a steer show said, Mark, why don't you pick more practical steers? I said, well, as soon as you turn on the air conditioner, you lose practicality. You know, I said, what's your steer out of? He said, I don't know. Here I am or something like that. I'm like, okay, once again, strike two on practicality. You know, we're not into practical. We're into the unicorns. We're in the big game hunt. This is a big game hunt industry. It's a big game hunt from a show judge standpoint. You want to talk about egos. We have substantially good size egos. Last night, you know what we talked about uh, as a group of four judges at the, at the Arkansas Youth Expo? We talked about kinds and the great stock that we've seen over the years. That's what, I mean, that's what we do. I, I, I don't know anything else. I don't know what else to talk about. And you get a bunch of livestock judges together. We're going to talk about the great stock we've seen and the moments that we've seen them. And so what will I do for Louisville or any upcoming show that I do? Uh, I won't psych myself out. Uh, the moments before that time, I will, I will clear my mind from any distraction that I potentially possibly may have. Uh, to be honest with you, at Houston, Corona. Oh my gracious, Corona, COVID. Oh, we're all shut down. I didn't even know what was going on. I texted my wife and I texted Cooper Bounds and said, "Hey, your judging team's in Oklahoma. Turn around, and go home." I'm serious. They're they're shutting this thing down. I told my wife. I said, "I'll call you tonight." I got no idea what's going on with this particular situation. I flushed COVID out of my mind because I had a job to do. One of the uh, one of the groups of champions that night. The kids were getting pictures, and they said, hey, say Corona. My first thought was, man, that's weird that these young kids are cheering a beer. Mm-hmm. I was thinking <laughs> Corona the beer, not even the you know, the virus, because that's how mentally removed I was from society while I was in that ring trying to do what I, trying to do effectively what I was asked to do. So when we talk about judging these big shows, you see humongous classes and, and almost every kind of sheep and of every kind of quality, and you can get extremely nitpicky on what you exactly like. And I know you're, a, you're a multi-species livestock judge, spend a lot of time with hogs and cattle. Um, when you're talking about going into a sheep ring, where do you put your priorities? Do you, do you put your priorities where the rest of the sheep industry puts them, or do you put them where you, as Mark Hogue, wants livestock to look, or maybe you, what, you've, what you look for in hogs and cattle and, and what you kind of like? Does any of that come into play, or, or, or what would you describe your kind as? You know, I, I tell you what. Uh, I, I've gotten some calls, had, had the opportunity to teach and coach and, and interact with some great young people that are asked to judge hog shows. And you got to keep in mind, my first Texas major barrow show, I was probably has at Iowa State for maybe 22, and I was asked to judge Fort Worth. And what I learned at that particular juncture is in a sift alley of a barrow show, you have to learn quickly what you want, what you don't want. And I learned then you'd study the individual and you set your thresholds and criteria, what is acceptable, what isn't, and you make that initial sort. Uh, I think uh, in a two-ring judge pigs, you know, sift of the big shows, I think the sift is as important or more so than even the judge uh, because you got to have the, the deck of cards right. you got to have the pool right. So I tell our students and, and young people that ask me they're going to go judge a Texas major barrow show or OYE or one of those that require a large sift, I said, make sure before you let the very first barra in that ring for the very first step, make sure you know what you want. Because if you don't, that major pig show will engulf you. It will eat you up and you, it will spit you out and it will be a miserable situation. 
because regardless of what anybody else wants, it's your opinion. That's why they're hired. Uh, what do I do in terms of, uh, you know, what do I want in an ideal livestock? I talked about cattle selection the other night, and I will not, uh, I will not let a, a creature in the ring until I'm mentally prepared. Even between breeds, you know, some of these sheep, sheep fine wolves versus fine wool cross versus South Downs versus medium, they're all different. And American steers, hey, I love American Down, these Texas major steer shows. But before they let a breed in, I will, I will mentally say, okay, this is a breed coming. This is what we want. I never try to force a population of livestock into what I want. I let the livestock come to me and then shape the show. Okay, love uniqueness. But uh, the one number one thing uh, I told people the other night on a on a Zoom meeting and on a show right that I did my uh, little talk on, I want to be the ugliest creature in Good Hope, Illinois, at our place. I love good looking stock. Okay, I don't like anything in my life husky. Yeah, I want them. I want them lean. I want them shapely. I want them right. But I look at the individual. And if the height doesn't match the length, doesn't match the weight, doesn't match the bone and foundation, it's not proportional. I have spent my entire life being not proportional. Tall, gangly, and awkward built. Okay? I'm telling you. You're tired of it. It's not fun. <laughs> and so I don't want livestock like me. I want the essence of proportionality. Uh, and I don't care what's a bear, a steer. I know that some species that raise maybe specifically goats or sheep don't like when I say this. I'm here to tell you, good stock people are good stock people. You bring a great goat breeder to a pig barn, and they will guaranteed pick out the good ones. Okay, you bring a great cow guy into a breeding guilt show, they will they will hinge their their auspices on what they know about creatures, and the the the, the crossover, if you allow it to be, is very very comfortable. Uh, the essence of individual proportionality, with the uniqueness, of the stoutness, is what I seek. I do not want a stout one that is not an athlete, and I do not want an athlete that's shaped like a pigeon. Mm-hmm. I want it all, and I won't. I won't settle until I get it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's. I don't care if it's county fair, jackpot, or a major stock show. I will find that to the best of my ability, the creature that has that essence of a supermodel with a middle linebacker with a Kenyan marathon runner. And then people say, "Well, it's not possible." I said, "Well, if it's not possible, why are we breeding livestock?" What's your goal? Yeah. Make more average ones? Yeah. <laughs> That's not, average is easy. I don't want easy. I want the elite one. There we go. So what I kind of gathered from that, I mean, there's judges who want a specific kind, you know, great looking, you know, this, that, and there's guys that on the opposite side of the spectrum. But it seems like overall, no matter what part of them you're looking at, you're just trying to make them the hardest to make, the most unique, you know, and just the most impressive compared to their counterparts. Well, and this is the deal. And I told our we, – we got a – Judging team, uh, they had a big weekend. Uh, went to Flint Hills, went to 16 classes. Cooper was with them. Had a, had like 45 classes throughout the week. Well, we, we met on Monday before I headed down here because uh, I didn't go with them, and, and uh, they had a great trip. And, you know, well, well, whether this didn't go well or that didn't go well. And, and, and what we do as people is we like to blame. We like to assign blame on somebody else or it was a, it was a situation It wasn't my fault. I told our, our team, and I don't mind saying this, uh, I reflect on livestock shows for weeks, weeks, weeks. You know, w- what would I have done differently? Was that one right? And I'm terrible. I'm so sorry. I can't remember people's names. But I can remember livestock I saw 20 years ago, and I can replay them in my mind and ask my wife. I said, why can't I remember people's names? She goes, they're not interesting to you. 
I said, I love people. I'm, not, I'm a people person. I hate being alone. She goes, no, no, no. You like the interaction. But your mind is always on livestock. That's, that's all I think about. And, and uh, because I, I, I care and I want, I want it to be done right. So I told our judging team, let's not blame somebody else for what happened. I want you to reflect on your cards that were not right. If it was a close pair or maybe it was a, a, a official we don't agree with. But on those classes that you fumbled, I want you to reflect on those four creatures. And I want it not to happen again. And I told them, I said, do you realize since last March, since last March, there are three sheep that have went through my head. Not every day, but almost every day did I get the right one reserve. There was a muscle sheep that was a little tight-backed. There was a burly one that was a little deep up front, but but good moving, but couldn't get him collected. And then there was a beautiful balanced one that could have used a bit more punch, but I just loved his kind and silhouette. Uh, and I still reflect on that. Uh, I personally think that any stock judge that wants to just single trade on muscle uh, and be the primary, oh, they got a handle rider, they got to be big hipped, or they got to have big backs. Hey, that's cool. That's not my speed. For those that want to say, I want the soundest, most upfronted ones, that's cool. But if they're flat and frail, I ain't got no interest. I'm telling you, I want it all. And I am greedy. And I am, my expectations are high. And my wife says all the time, I expect too much of our college students at Western Illinois. I said, rest assured, Katie, the world is a mean place. And whether it's my five-year-old, my 12-year-old, my 15-year-old, my expectations are high. Uh, and guess what? As the exhibitors, you should hold my expectations high. Uh, and if I don't perform, I'll take it personally. You know, I, I'll be disappointed. I'll reflect. And, and uh, there's been some shows that I feel going away, gut instinct were great. There's been some shows where I struggled. But the key is if I'm struggling mentally, finding what I like, I want to be very transparent on the microphone. And I will tell you as an audience, folks, I'm struggling. Okay, these are great. And what I, what I tell them, I said, hey, I want to be all these animals' friends but I don't love or I don't want to marry any of them. You realize how difficult it is to get into a thousand, two thousand, three thousand head of really, really good livestock when you want to you want to friend zone them all and not marry one of them. Then it gets to be tough. But that's our job on a microphone. If we feel that way, and we're going to tell you, you as a stock, you know, as a show dad or you as a stock breeder, a helper, need to maybe kick back and say, hey. I agree. I was at a little show this summer. Oh, boy, everybody was just angry. South Pole Elf, you know. I finally kicked back and said, hey, dude, there's 30 head out there. And I got one of them. And you know what they are? They're 30 nice creatures. There's not a unique one out there. There's not a great one out there. So you know what we need to do as a bunch of show dads? Hey, good job. In a population of 30 just nice ones, you won and you were reserved. Great. Mm -hmm. Move on. You know what we need to do? We need to go home, study our lesson, and make make them bigger, stronger, stouter, and faster because we're not there. Mm-hmm. That's all I told my kid. He, I think he was maybe third, reserve third overall, something like that. He goes, what do you think, Dad? I said, got to make them better. End of story. Legendary Mindset will continue after a few words from our sponsors. Rule Supplements, the boldest supplement company on the market. What they lack in grace and poise, they make up for in originality and results. Their motto is results matter because results are the driving factor in this industry. And no one ever talks about the fifth place ULAM. 
Their product line has your livestock covered with solutions for joint health as well as reproductive performance for all species. Their most popular products are Thick, Shredded R, The Formula, and Strutton. These products alone or combined have fed many of the nation's champions this year. The Grand Uid Exarbon, Indiana Stock Show, and the Indiana State Fair were all fed Shredded R and The Formula. The Grand Lamb at California Youth Expo and Kentucky Livestock Expo added Strutton to extend their lead. The list of customer success includes Wisconsin Livestock Expo and the Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, Colorado, and Tulsa State Fairs. There are more results than that, which they would love to share. But they only have one minute to talk, so follow them on Facebook and Instagram and use the coupon code JAKEP for $5 off your order. Hobbs Show Lambs will be having their bread you sale October 27th held on SC Online Sales. They will be selling 20 head of bread ewes, bread for December and January lambs. Go ahead and call Joe Hobbs or Justin Nathan for more information about this powerful set of ewes made it to hang banners and get you into the winner's circle. These ewes have damned many previous winners and high sellers, so here's your chance to purchase powerhouse ewes from a powerhouse program. Nationwide delivery can be arranged. Do not miss this set of use from Hobbs Show Lambs, selling on October 27th at SC Online Sales. So you've got kids that show, and you guys show very, I think you show all the species, correct? We, we attempted this year, yes. So what is that experience? I mean, your kids are kind of all ages right there showing, but what is your experience as a show dad in trying to make your kids highly, highly competitive um, has that had an effect on what goes through your head when you judge those those big shows, or, or and what is that? Oh, man, that's a great question. i tell you what, when I was 21 years old, I thought I was probably the most mad, skilled, natural livestock evaluator that the good Lord had ever created, and I thought I had more friends. You had it figured out pretty, pretty early then. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, well, this is the thing. When you grow up as Dan Hogue's dad, you know, or Dan Hogue's your dad, Man, I grew up tough because, you you know, oh, you're Dan Hogue's kid. And that was sometimes good in a show ring. But, man, I took a lot of thumpings as a little kid in the ring because I, I was like, Dad, what would you do to that guy? He is not happy with you. And I learned very early. I, I was my own person. I didn't want to ride my dad's coattails. I was going to be a strong individual uh, because sometimes I'd be cherished. Sometimes I was really shredded as a person when the people didn't even know me. I, it was guilt by association. Well, I don't like your dad, so I don't like you. I'm like, you never talked to me. I don't. I don't have any idea how, how you could even not like me. I'm a likable human being. So I grew up knowing what I wanted. I grew up very, very strong, very, very tough. Not physically strong, but mentally tough. Um, you know, and so from that point on, you know, uh, that's who I was. Well, I tell you what, big shows didn't come quick. I spent time, I liken it to Gladiator, the movie, and I know we don't carry swords and I'm not Russell Crowe, but you spend time in the little in the little county trenches and you love them and you, you ground and pound you do the ground and pound in the country to make it to the coliseum okay and i started judging in big coliseums before i had children and i thought it was easy as a teacher as a judge hey i evaluate i spit science at you i tell you how it's going to go you go back and there's no qualms about it then i had children i'll tell you what people told me you're not mentally prepared it, it takes it takes experience it takes perspective to be a big time big big stock show judge i thought it was bs until i have the experience and in, in exposure it does uh i now know that when i'm judging showmanship or a livestock show that that is somebody's prized possession as a child and it's my job to make sure that i want to be a judge that i want my children to show to i want to be a faculty member i want to be a teacher i want to be a judging coach that I would send my children to. 
uh, because they are not my children. I do not possess them as students or as showmen, but I want them to feel like they were valued, like they were important. And my children, when I was, when they were little bitty, we started showing pit bears and gilts at Expo at four and five. Man, I was an angry, I was intense, and I wanted them things drove perfect. And if they didn't, I'd get on my boys. I said, boys, we got to do better. Come on, let's hustle at home. So we go work hard. We go work hard. We do it. I got a little five-year-old girl. I tell you what, I, she, I judge her stuffed animals three times a week. She's never been beat. Grand Reserve, every breed. <laughs> my wife's like, hey, why don't you why don't you put her second one? So I'm like, hell no. Hello, girl. I'm not going to put that girl second. That little girl right there has changed my perspective in life. Uh, when we go to a show, People often ask me, hey, what would you think of that other bear or guild or heifer in your class? And I, know, I don't know. I love to watch my children interact with stock. And if they do it in a smooth, symbiotic fashion, that I'm proud of their ground and pound at home. Let's go get pizza. Let's go swim. Let's go to the hotel. That was a job well done. I'm proud of you. Sometimes there's banners involved. Sometimes we have to take pictures at backdrops before we go. But guess what? There's times where we load our stock with no banners, no pictures at the backdrop, but we still go have pizza, we still go have ice cream, we still go swimming, we reflect as a family. My favorite place in, in this earth is my home with my family. My second favorite place on earth is wherever stock show we're at as a family. And as long as that's the case, uh, as a show dad anymore, you're going to win some, you're going to lose a lot. What I would tell any show dad out there, enjoy the victories because they're hard to get there's no such thing as an easy show there's no such thing as an easy state to win a show in if you think that's the case you have not been to enough stock shows there's good ones everywhere Definitely. that was beautiful mark so i'm sure when you leave when you left angelo after the first time you judged the market lambs at a big show you're probably worried hey do those people those texans think i did a good job i mean are they are they back there you know pissed and don't want me back but I'm sure it's a huge sign of relief when they call you to do the goats the next two years. And Houston did the same thing after the Market Lamb show. So what are you doing? Uh, what's going through your head about that goat show at Houston? Because have you judged a lot of big major goat shows? I know you show some really high quality ones. No, well, that, that would be our first year. No, no. And that, that's what's so great. Uh, you know, uh, I learned a long time ago. Uh, I don't ask. I don't ask people when I'm done, how did you think I did? If you do that, you have to be prepared for not good conversations that'll be tough on your self-esteem it'll be emotionally distraught and it'll be a good way for you and your best friend to not be best friends anymore i learned it at a young age and i tell our students the night before they judge at a national contest at louisville the only thing i said tomorrow your relationship with me will change we will always i will always have your back i will always but i'm not going to teach you anymore we're going to talk as two stock people coexisting in the livestock industry because once you pass through the threshold of the national contest at louisville uh you're at a different threshold and if i'm at a show we'll talk about the stock i'm not going to tell you what you did wrong i'm going to tell you what you did well if you ask me about a creature i'll say hey a little weird here real good there nailed it on the microphone the only time i will absolutely shred you and i'm not a yeller i don't yell at people i just don't think it's very productive i said i will shred you if you do things at a show that I watch that are not right and not what you believe in and not what you've been taught. If, if, if you do the buddy system or you do this or you do that, I said you completely destroy the integrity of the sacred ground of the livestock show. 
livestock show ring. And I said, you and I will have the worst discussion that you've had since you came to Western Illinois. And, and I tell them that. That's the only thing I tell them that for the national contest because I want to teach future livestock breeders that are progressive industry leaders, and I want to teach future livestock judges. And it is a, a cultivated experience. I was very nervous on goats the first time I did St. Angelo because hip design, I, I navigate. That's, that's a go-to for me and pigs, cattle, and sheep, that pin set, that hip, that man it's got to be right and that hind legs got to be right and a goat a goat's natural spine is different okay it's a different creature i almost liken it to judging american steers versus yeah. it's that it's that three-day run at a texas major the differences between the continental the british and the americans and so i got out there and, and what i quickly realized is that they're all the same creature i told the very the guy at san angelo that was my goat my goat ring man i told him i'll tell anybody and Whoever listens, these podcasts are awesome. I enjoy listening as long as my wife sets them up for me. But anyway, I told the ring man, I said, now you do realize there's 23 goats in this first class. He goes, do you want to pull on the move on the way in? I said, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what I want. And this is not good. And I said, I'm very, very nervous, most nervous I've ever been. So I said, we're going to let them come in. I'm going to kind of get the, the population mean figured out what these goats look like, and then I'll start my relative comparisons. First goat come in, and I pulled him. Two or three more came in. I ended up pulling eight, maybe ten that first round. Comes up to me after the class, and the very first goat I pulled won the first class. He goes, well, I, sir, I didn't think you were going to pull any goats off the lead. I said, well, first goat come in, saw his chest, saw his arm, saw his rib cage, saw his back. I knew what I wanted. It was done. It was done. And after that, we went from there. The sheep shows are like, hey, before you send them the scales, you need to handle them. You want you you need to handle them. Like I really don't need to do anything that I don't want to do. <laughs> send them the scales. I'm not a big. I can tell they have muscle. You know, I I can tell they have the quality that I'm looking for. I don't need to physically touch them. Now I will. And is handling important? Yes, to a point, it is important to me. But I don't need to touch them before I weigh them back. I like their design. I like their kind of stock they are, and send them. So what did I look for in a goat? And this is what I find interesting. And I, and I don't know if I agree yet because I think as a show dad, I've learned a lot about goats. I don't know if mo if some goats are meant to be on a hard brace. Our boys and I talk about a 30% brace and a, and a gorilla brace, a handle brace. There's a difference between a handling brace and a, and a light brace. I personally think some goats, actually the good ones, look best just on a chain, just standing there naturally because uh, I don't think goats were meant to brace their spine it doesn't set right into their rump and it just the lines don't set so what I did at, at San Angelo is I actually just judge them on the move coming and going and I don't want to be just on the judge mover it has to be a combination of both uh, but but all of a sudden I figured out anatomically muscularity wise dude I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble but they're all the same mm -hmm. you know particularly in the market side yeah, market side of stock dude they're all the same you know for me for sure and this might be kind of more of an aggressive question but like you kind of touched on the subject a little bit but did the thought ever pass through your head like why are we even worried about making these things freaky muscled and wide if we can't even make their spines look like any other livestock or make their outlines look like any other livestock like especially coming from your background you're you're from your cattle and hog those things have been perfected for a long time and they look a certain way and goats are nowhere close right oh i don't know you know this is what i think is so great my phd and all my thought processes in animal breeding and genetics and what i love about the goat population in the u.s 
this is the most recent, recently domesticated population that we have. And we always talk about, I tell our students about the Taco Bell syndrome. We Americanize everything. We take great Mexican cuisine and stuff it into Taco Bell. My little five-year-old and I love Taco Bell. But good, a, a good friend of mine from Mexico went to graduate school together. He thought Taco Bell was absolutely the worst thing ever. He's, he's an authentic Mexican cuisine. You know, we Americanize everything. Are we, we, we've Americanized pigs and cattle and we're Americanizing goats. But guess what? As, as we Americanize them, we're going to jack them up. We're going to take them the wrong way. And we're going to bring them back. I think the goat doesn't need to have a spine and a pin set exactly like a sheep. I think a goat is anatomically built like a goat. What we need to do is make sure that the spine is still correct. We don't need to make excuses for a whiskey barrel rib goat that's broke back mountain behind his back. We're not going to make excuses for it. We're still going to make it blend together, but everything, you know, they're all the same, but yet an American steer is a little different shape than an than a exotic steer. But if you go into the American day at a Texas major embracing the essence of what that American creature is and what they do and how, how their spine and rump still is functional, but not as a silhouette of a dead perfect line, it's okay. Same for goats. I think I think a goat still has that essence of balance and quality, even though if you set a two by four from their their shoulder to their tail head, it's not going to be dead nuts even. It's okay that it's not, but it still needs to fit the creature. I think the biggest thing is fitting the individual creature. Once again, we'll go back to I'm built for radio, not TV. I am not proportional. I I'm awkward built, and I don't want my stock to be awkward built. So just as you said that, my gears are turning in my head as someone who's trying to hit, coming from someone who's trying to hit you at Houston, and you say all of these goats are the same. Is it going to take one that looks nothing like the rest, or is it going to be one that blends in with the others but is just the best of them all? Yeah, I don't like blending. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. I've never tried to fit in. Uh, I think when you fit in, you become average. Okay, and I, average scares me. Uh, that, that you know, being average is probably one of my greatest fears uh, that that I do have. Uh, whatever you do, I I don't. Well, it could be your full time job. It could be what your hobby is. It could be whatever it is. But uh, I don't aspire to be that. And so, you know, they're all great, and it's a population, and you're studying through them. I tell people, what do you need to take to Hogue? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you this. I find interesting. What do you take to Hogue? Take your best one. Take the one that you in your barn every morning. You go out and feed. And the one that you're nervous about, is it getting up? Is it eating? Is it coughing? That one that makes you the most nervous, take that one. Our bears that pin one on the left side, some of the best bears we've ever shown, I'm nervous every morning when I go out. Mellow yellow or go, you know, we got stock in our, in our property that every morning that I go out and make a walkthrough before I chore, I'm nervous about that one. I love them all, but I'm nervous about that one creature. Take that one. Because that one will get you the farthest at a major. I mean, you got to keep in mind, I don't care if it's Texas, Oklahoma majors, your major state fair. You know, this is not a, this is not a, a Class B dirt track that average is going to get along. It's just simply not going to happen, okay? Uh, you, you take your best one. Now, your best one might not be the best one you've ever shown, but participating is still the number one key. Go as a family, go as a unit, do those types of things. Will I be a judge that takes maybe a little more high-risk, high-reward creature? That Probably. Uh, I will uh, because that captures my attention longer. And we talked yesterday in a pig show. Used up as a pair by Reserve Hamp. 
I said, guys, he's high risk, high reward, but I will remember him longer than I will the rest of them. You know, and, and that's, I want to push the envelope. Uh, I want to push the envelope as an animal breeder, uh, as a show dad to gather the most wicked set of stock you've ever seen. Uh, I want to push the envelope. I want to keep finding that rare unicorn. And what, what, what's that motivation? That That's the drive. You don't go check does at 2 a.m. because you want a complete set. You go check does at 2, 3, 4 a.m., cows, sows. You don't, you don't send your wife in to pull a pig out of a crossbred guilt that you knew you should have never bred because she's having trouble because you want an average one. You want that thing to come out like, holy grail, we got it. You know, and as a judge, that's what I want. Yeah. I want that rare, rare finding. I want to compliment it when I see it. Uh, I, I don't want to discredit it. I want to compliment it and say, hey, job well done to the breeder, to the feeder, to the family, to the exhibitor. You have a potentially once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That sheep, the one Houston last year, I'd take one like that every year. Will that come around every year? Hmm. Don't think so. Steer that one San Antonio last year? Don't know if you were there, but that thing was a absolute machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, a literal machine. And so stock like that, when they come around, man, we have to embrace them as a judge. We have to embrace them as a family and be proud that we were part of that creature's life. Beautiful, Mark. Just uh, poetically spoken, and, and you're so articulate when you describe these things. You're also judging OYE goats, correct? I forgot. I just kind of popped into my head you're doing that as well. You're going to be a busy goat and sheep guy here pretty quick. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, those 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 shows are right kind of back-to-back, and you were supposed to do those last year like that. Are you what are you what are you looking forward to kind of being able to to do OYE after after what happened last year and it getting canceled or or what's kind of going through your head about having that opportunity to do that experience again for those kids up there? I, you know what you know it was amazing. I was sitting there in in the show ring at Houston and I felt terrible for the state of Texas, for the exhibitors, for the community of Houston, for the financial loss anywhere from a taxi driver to a hotel. This is this is terrible for that that mid March period. But then I thought, hey. There's no way on this green earth, because I know the folks that run the Oklahoma Youth Expo, and it will take an act greater than Congress to shut them down. So I never thought that I wouldn't be at OYE judging goats. Mm-hmm. I got a call from the office that said, hey, OYE's done. I looked at my wife. I said, hey, this is serious. This I thought, flash in a pan. You know, Americans, we get passionate about something for about a week. It's got like exercise programs after New Year's. Yeah. You do it for a week and then you're done. Okay. This is pretty serious. And, and so then at that particular point, my next thought was, man, I feel bad for the entire, you know, entire state of Oklahoma and Texas because they didn't get to show their stock, but it will never happen to us in the Midwest. And guess what happened? It did. It did. And it instantly, you know, you hear about a, a tragic event that occurs that's not near your neighborhood. And you're like, that is sad that happened, a windstorm, a fire, what, anything. But it still didn't happen to you. When it happens to you, it is a completely gut-wrenching, shocking event. And I, I, I was not a good dad. I shipped some barras. I was like, we're not going to have shows. I'm done. Kept the sheep and goats. Got our heifers. We rinsed once a day. I didn't know what was going on. Finally, my boys are like, Dad, we're finding jackpots in Missouri or Nebraska. Let's go. I showed at a jackpot picture in a park in Missouri. I showed in a sandstorm, cattle in a sandstorm in Norfolk, Nebraska. It's literally sandstorm. I felt like it was an apocalypse. It was bad. A great event, though. Our family was loving it. We were 
I'm built to, and I'm wired to hit one jackpot and take down a major for, for our family. Illinois State Fair, a, a major stock show. I'm not built. I ha, I've reshifted as a dad. Hey, if my kids want to rumble somewhere, let's load up and go. It, it, it's the greatest event that occurred. Am I, am I worried about giving credit to Oklahoma and Houston, uh, the exhibitors in those goat shows? No. No, no. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to carry one show to the next. I'm going to let that population hit me. You know, I'm a, I'm a gut instinct guy, and, a, and, a, and a, I, you know, what's sad about social media, I don't have it. I don't talk to people before shows. I don't talk to people after shows. I go home, and I chore, and I love my family before and after, and that's plenty for me. I teach three classes a semester, try to help with the team, coach the team, do all this stuff. I don't have time. So I'm going to walk into the ring that day. I'm going to be as fresh and focused as I can, and when them little creatures hit the ring, it'll, it'll come to me. Probably one of my fears is, you know, hopefully many years from now, and I learned this from my dad. I said, Dad, people are asking when you're going to retire from coaching. When will you retire? He said, when I get up in the morning and I'm not fired up to go. And I said, what about judging shows? He said, when I get in the ring and I'm not excited to see the next one come in the ring, that's when I'll stop. He said that or physical capability you know but that that's us that's us as show judges when we lose the taste to wonder what's going to come around that gate next probably not going to do the most effective job mm-hmm. so i'm excited i'll be fired up we'll, we're going to hammer through it it'll be great there we go so one last question um for this part of the interview but what's the most rewarding thing for you about stepping in the ring and judging those big shows or coaching livestock judging or anything like that. My wife would tell you that everybody everybody finds a comfort space. Everybody's got a zone, you know, away from your family that you're the most comfortable. It may be a fishing boat. It may be a golf course. It may be your buddy's garage working on a car. It may be the salon. Wherever your, wherever your happy place is, my happy place is a show ring. And my wife has helped me explain this to me. She goes, it, it's, it, it's actually ironic, having known you for so many years, that it's a utopian environment. People are away from you, and creatures are close. And she's like, that. that's where I'm most comfortable, you know, uh, at home. Uh, I, I, we love being in the house. I love watching me a little HDTV and a little Food Network, but where's my happy space is in the barn with my kids. If I'm not with my kids and my wife in our barn, I will be in a show ring. That's just where I'm the most comfortable. We as human beings, we migrate towards comfort. We migrate, we migrate towards safety, towards tranquility. Uh, hopefully we do uh, in life. And where's, where am I the most at ease? And probably the biggest ring you could possibly create with the most pressure and the greatest livestock that have ever been created. That's when I'm the most content incredible well um, thank you so much for sitting down with me Mark and this is I feel like you just dropped a lot of science on us and I, I was laughing a lot smiled a lot and this was this was a great experience thank you so much thank you very much I appreciate the opportunity to legendary mindset um, I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, it was it was really fun to sit down there and record that with Mark and I, and I wasn't really expecting the answers that I got um, delivered in the way that I got him. I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time around Mark Hogue at all, um, and that was one of the first times we've ever met. But but 
to go and, and take a, just a simple question and, and be able to answer it over and over again and give me that many examples, it just kind of goes to show um, what's going on in Mark Hogue's brain. And, and I honestly think the best way to describe him is enlightened. Um, just a guy with whose perspective on things and just his thought process on, on not only life in general, but livestock especially is is compelling. Um, obviously, I fangirled in there. I didn't realize how it sounded until I listened to it over again. Um, but when I when I, after he'd answered my question and I'd tell him it was beautiful, what he said was beautiful, I said that um, because I meant it, because it was. Um, but anyways, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought it was insane content. Um, I really hope we can get Mark on again. I think we're going to um, go ahead and do a full interview. Uh, but like we talked about before, this week, be looking for post-sort episodes with Brandon Callis and Craig Beckmeyer. And uh, right after Kansas City, we're going to try and get our sheep judge, uh, Steve Sturtz, and uh, kind of discuss the lamb show there as well as the goat show that went down in Georgia this past week. Um, but don't forget to like us on Facebook, Legendary Mindset with Jake P, or our Instagram page, Legendary Mindset Pod, for more content every week. And be sure to check out our other Barra Media podcasts, uh, the show with Cannon Brown, the Keeper Pen with Maddie Caldwell and Jenna Wheeler, and Cattle Pros with Jake Scott. Anyways, I'll see you guys next week.